Hi there, I'm Tiara Vianne, and this is KJZZ's Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. It's the latest stories from the week, and it's designed to catch you up on some highlights from our community. Thanks so much for listening for the week of October 30th, 2023. Phoenix leaders held a ceremony Thursday to kick off renovations for the future police headquarters. As Christina Estes reports, the department's communications bureau will be the first to move into the former Wells Fargo Tower downtown. Since buying the 27-story building two years ago, Phoenix has been updating its core infrastructure and working on design and construction needs. Councilwoman Ann O'Brien noted the current headquarters was built in 1975. We were 600,000 people in Phoenix when we built that. We are more than th- almost three times that amount of people today. Police Chief Michael Sullivan said investing in comfortable workspaces and new technology sends a message. To make sure the people that do this special work, from our 911 operators to our professional staff to our officers, understand how much they are valued. The 911 Center will open next summer, with other employees being phased in through 2025. Christina Estes, KJZZ News, Phoenix. In business news. Arizona's third year of legalized marijuana has been hard for people in the industry. The thumbs of growers have become so green that there is an oversupply. And as multi-state operators set up, local brands have to compete for shrinking shelf space in a limited number of dispensaries. Matthew Casey reports. When marijuana was outlawed in Arizona, smoking the plant's flower was the primary way to feel its effects. Now adults can instead choose vape pens, gummies, and even beverages. Machinery fills and seals a long line of tall, slender cans made and sold by the flower shop AZ. The ingredients are flavored water, some of the psychoactive chemical THC, and an injection of carbon dioxide. Seltzers grew popular as booze drinks. A link with alcohol might chafe some in the marijuana biz, but Vicki Doolittle thinks that it's spirit makers who should be annoyed. We're coming in on their market share. Doolittle is sales director for a firm called Your Way Cannabis Brands. The publicly traded company owns an Arizona-based extract maker that also does white labeling of marijuana products known as Shatter, Diamonds, and Distillate. It's, it's, it's definitely a big war out there. We're, we're just out of prohibition. To her point, a lawsuit recently filed by the marijuana company Doolittle used to work for against her current employer alleges there was a kickback scheme involving others to get products into dispensaries. Doolittle is not a defendant, nor is she mentioned in the complaint. Doolittle was recruited from the long-established greeting card giant Hallmark into cannabis. It is not stable. It is not for the faint of heart, ever for the faint of heart. When you get into cannabis, you have to play and play hard. Which is not to say she's unhappy with the work. Doolittle switched jobs after her husband urged her to seek a new challenge. Then he died of COVID-19. She says the outpouring of support from marijuana industry people she hardly knew has made them her family. And so I will do everything I can to help any brand. Arizona brands of marijuana used to be all there was available in state-licensed dispensaries. Doolittle estimates that now local products account for less than half of store displays. And some of these kinds that are coming in have much larger marketing budgets than the local Arizona ones. 
The result, Doolittle says, is local brands get cannibalized. Then those that survive still have to compete with multi-state operators, which run most Arizona dispensaries and have their own marijuana products. They can make reciprocal deals to get them displayed to customers. And the smaller brands don't have that option, so they have to get very creative on how to get onto those shelves. The Flower Shop AZ is an example of a multi-state operator. It's supplied by a huge grow operation in southern Arizona, an industrial kitchen that makes seltzers and more, plus a separate operation for marijuana extracts. This is a machine filling vape cartridges with distillate. The capsules will eventually go into vape batteries for a product line that also features low-dose edibles. It was created by Flower Shop president Greta Brandt. There was nothing that was specifically geared towards women, um, and I saw that as a missed opportunity. Key to a startup brand making it, she says, is careful product research to fill a known or perceived void in the market, plus signing business agreements that guarantee customers will see it at dispensaries. Um, nothing is worse than uh, investing millions of dollars into your operation and then realizing getting shelf space to actually sell this product is almost nearly impossible. Arizona has an abundance of marijuana right now in an environment of extreme competition. Brandt says cannabis brand wars are happening as operators dig in and get lean. You know, what we're experiencing right now is a, a valley, right? We've, we've only seen peaks. Large amounts of marijuana are for sale. The challenge is pricing low enough to draw a buyer without destroying value after having spent millions on cultivation, manufacturing, and retail. We don't want to drop the bottom on this market so that people can still remain in business. Brandt thinks the marijuana industry is on its way back up. Like in the hospitality business, cannabis companies can't wait for snowbirds to arrive. Matthew Casey, KJZZ News, Phoenix. And this is the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. Thanks for listening. In education news, the president of a large Christian university in Phoenix is pushing back against a nearly $38 million fine assigned by the federal government. Monica Navarro reports. The U.S. Department of Education alleges that Grand Canyon University misled more than 7,500 students about the price of graduate programs since 2017. University President Brian Mueller says the university was always clear about the costs. There's places everywhere in the whole process where we tell students about continuation courses. And so the, the, why aren't students complaining that they didn't know? Because we tell them all over the place. GCU said its doctoral programs cost between forty dollars and $49,000. But the Education Department's report found that less than 2% of students graduated within that price range. It also found that the price tag for doctoral programs was ten dollars to $12,000 more than the university advertised because of the continuation courses. The university has 20 days to file an appeal. Monica Navarro, KJZZ News. Phoenix. Now from KJZZ Original Productions, it's Halloween 1923 in Phoenix, and the place to be is Joyland. Here's the show co-host, Mark Brody. Arizona's past is full of tricks and treats of various kinds. This Halloween, we decided to take a look back and find out how Phoenicians celebrated a hundred years ago. With me to do that is the show's Sativa Peterson, who dove into Arizona's historic newspapers to find out what the spirit of Halloween looked like in 1923. Good morning, Sativa. Good morning. So what Halloween traditions did you find, like pumpkin carving, wearing scary costumes, that kind of thing? Yes, all of that. Let me set the scene for you. Halloween night fell on a Wednesday. The forecast showed a high of 75 that day, a low of 55, so nice weather. Yeah. 
But one thing that was quite different is the population of Phoenix. It was just over 29,000 people. Just a few fewer people than now. (laughs) That's right. So uh, one thing to keep in mind also is that 100 years ago, Arizona, like the rest of the nation, was in the middle of prohibition. Mm. So officially, at least, drinking of alcohol was prohibited. Um, Here's what I discovered or some trends that I found. I saw many references for apples and apple cider as well as bobbing for apples. Okay. One ad read, Halloween is apple time. Huh. So that was definitely a trend. I also saw references to ghost stories, witches, bats, um, and the wearing of costumes. Someone won an award for their costume as a matador. Hmm. And another person dressed as the actor Rudolph Valentino, who was, you know, one of the major sex symbols of the 1920s. Uh, Also, pumpkin pie, frequently mentioned as being served as dessert at parties. So in many ways, it was what you might expect. Yeah, Halloween sounds pretty tasty back in 1923. (laughs) Uh, Was there anything you didn't expect to find? Yes, I found the place to be on Halloween night, 1923. And uh, it's a place I had never heard of before called Joyland. Hmm. I guess earlier in the year, in May of 1923, this new amusement park opened on Van Buren Road. It had nightly dancing. It had airplane swings, gondola boats. It even had um, a high diver that would somersault like 100 feet through the air, landing in a pool of four feet of water. Wow. It was um, advertised as costing $200,000 to build this amusement park, which that had to be a tremendous sum of money money in 1923. Live jazz bands, two elaborate soda fountains because, of course, people couldn't drink alcohol, and more than 7,000 electric lights that it said would flood the park with brilliant illumination at night. Hmm. So it sounds really over the top on any given day, but Halloween, things got even more extra. Joyland promised a 1,000 free souvenirs, wild and weird decorations, masks free to anyone who wanted them. But my favorite thing, Mark, is Joyland promised um, that they were going to have the Witch of Endor. What's she that? Was, <laughs> she was described as a famous witch of Scotland who was going to be impersonated by a real fortune teller who would tell fortunes from her specially built cave that adjoined the dancing pavilion. It said she will invite all maidens to have their fortune told free of cost. She will tell all if their love affairs are going to work out. Wow. So yeah, no expense, it seems, was spared to make this the greatest Halloween celebration ever given in Arizona. So, Sativa, where exactly was Joyland located? It was located right around 35th Street and Van Buren. And it seems as though this is really like a portrait of the early 20s, right? Like you mentioned the high diver somersaulting into a little thing of water, uh, you know, the fortune tellers, the shooting galleries. It sounds all very much on brand for the for the <laughs> roaring 20s. It does. It really gives a sense of Halloween during the 20s uh, when the country saw this surging economy and jazz and flappers. You know, some of these things sound like something you would think of as it being in Atlantic City, maybe not Phoenix yeah. at the time. But it was really a time of dramatic social and economic change and it was here as well. Um, so you can imagine young women bobbing their hair, women could vote um, beginning in 1920, so that was still very new. Mm-hmm. Uh, one ad for Joyland boasted that it had the most elaborate decorations ever seen in the Southwest. And it also had this really perplexing, at least to me anyway, tagline. It said, you don't celebrate Christmas on the 4th of July. Huh. I don't know. I take it to mean, you know, live in the present. But living in the present is going to be very hard to do because... 
now I want to time travel back to 1923 <laughs> so I can see Joyland. It does kind of sound fun. All right. That, <laughs> yeah. that is the show, Sativa Peterson. Thanks, Sativa. Thank you, Mark. And this is the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. In Tribal Natural Resources, which is supported in part by a grant from the Katina Foundation. The Arizona Cardinals are arguably one of the worst teams in the league, with a 1-7 and record this season. But Cards fans have remained loyal to the franchise since 1988. Gabriel Pietrazio reports that a new t-shirt collection pays homage to the Valley team and an iconic indigenous dish in Arizona. America has made their voice heard. I, Guy Fieri, am now football's director of flavor and fashion. The self-proclaimed mayor of Flavortown has launched a new apparel line in collaboration with Homage, an Ohio-based company. 32 NFL teams, 32 local foods. And for the Arizona Cardinals. Apaches make it, Navajos make it, Don Autumn make it. There's just different varieties. Richard Perry is talking about fry bread. His late mother, Cecilia Miller, founded the James Beard award-winning Fry Bread House on North 7th Avenue in Phoenix in 1992. She wanted to really refine her fry bread so it looked appealing. It's got to look inviting and attractive, delicious. It's the only indigenous cuisine featured for this entire collection. It's amazing that fry bread's getting this kind of exposure. That's general manager Nate Myers looking at the design during a recent restaurant visit. And it surprised him, much like bumping into Fieri while catering at last year's Super Bowl. Months later, Fieri coincidentally branded fry bread for the cards. Well, he sees the bread at least. Hopefully he sees us. Gabriel Pietrazio, KJZZ News, Phoenix. In science news. Black Americans make up about 13% of the U.S. population, but account for close to 20% of people with Alzheimer's disease. Other communities of color are also unduly affected. From our Arizona Science Desk, Nicholas Gerbis reports. Discussions about Alzheimer's disease in communities of color often blame comorbidities like high blood pressure for much of the disease's prevalence. But Stephanie Monroe, vice president of the D.C.-based advocacy organization Us Against Alzheimer's, says factors related to both, such as the availability of nutritious food, clean environments, and opportunities to exercise, stem from systemic inequities with deep historical roots. We know the biology matters. We know the genetics matter. And now we're learning more and more about where you live and grow and work. That seems to matter as well. From 2017 to 2020, Alzheimer's disease ranked among the top five causes of death among Arizonans 65 and older. Nicholas Skirbis, KJZZ News, Phoenix. And finally, in Fronteras News. The Environmental Protection Agency says it will fund new research focused on how PFAS, known as forever chemicals, affect animals and plants in agricultural areas. From our Fronteras desk, Elisa Resnick has more. PFAS are human-made chemicals used in everything from consumer products like nonstick pans to industrial ones like some fertilizers. But the chemicals have seeped into air, soil, and water in parts of Tucson and across the globe. Exposure has been linked to health issues like cancer. The EPA is earmarking $8 million to fund research projects that look into PFAS in rural, agricultural, and tribal communities. Earlier this year, the EPA announced plans to formally limit PFAS in drinking water. The agency says this latest call for research projects is part of a larger effort to understand the pathways the chemicals use to reach humans and animals. Elisa Resnick, KJZZ News, Tucson. And you've been listening to the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. 
made possible in part by Helios Education Foundation and Alliance Bank, the Vitalist Health Foundation, the Intel Corporation and Beach Fleischman, the Arizona Community Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Thank you for listening to KJZZ and for your generous support. I'm Tiara Vian, and this is KJZZ, your news and information station.